Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Happiness in Humans. My name is Matt Phelan. I am your host and co-founder of a business called The Happiness Index. It's my first podcast I've recorded after summer holidays, so who knows who knows how and where this is going to go. Um, I'm really excited today because I don't just have one guest for you. I don't just have two. I've actually got three guests for you all today. Um, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, um, but I'm here with the amazing Tracy, Alex and Rob. Um, Tracy, could you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, of course. Hiya, Matt um, and, and everybody else. So I'm Tracy Smith-Atkins and I'm the Chief Exec of Green Willow Funerals, um, a funeral business based in Cardiff, but operating across South Wales. Thank you, Tracy and Alex. Um, so good morning. Uh, I'm Alex Rowland and I'm Head of People and Culture for Green Willow Funerals. Brilliant. Thanks, Alex. And Rob? Hi, I'm, I'm Rob Black um, and I look after partnerships at Life Ledger, which is a platform enabling families to notify all of the companies that their loved ones had um, accounts and policies with when they've died. Thanks. Thanks, team. Um, I just wanted to give our um, our listeners uh, sort of a why um, I've got this amazing team of Tracy, Alex and Rob together, which is one of the things that we noticed at the Happiness Index in the pandemic in our data is that for the first time ever in what makes people happy and what makes people unhappy, um, family kept coming up. So normally you get stuff in the top list of happy and then the top list of unhappy when we're looking through the data but suddenly we found family in both lists so it was the thing that was making people happy and it was the thing that was making people unhappy and at that time part of that was to do with everyone's lives just colliding together and being stuck in a room but as time has moved on one of the things i've observed with our head of people Gemma, um, and i'd love input on that later in the podcast but we said we said to each other the other day it feels like everyone at the happiness index has something quite serious going on in their life at the moment and we we asked ourselves the question whether is that because the happiness index is an open culture and everyone discusses everything or is it just bad luck at the moment and i think where we went with it is we went actually you know what everyone that you ever meet in the shop in the co-op um in it in your life your friends your family strangers taxi driver they normally have something going on in their life and sometimes that is what we're about to talk about um, which is death and happiness sometimes that might be mental health but it was kind of a reminder to us that um everyone and alex i'll come back to you and your role on that later it, it is it was a really reminder and it might sound obvious to people and you're thinking why are these two people even having this conversation but it was a reminder to us that everyone has something serious going on in their life. Sometimes people talk about it, some people don't, but it doesn't mean it isn't there. Um, but before we get into that, I'd love to just go around the room quickly and, and ask the question that we ask all, all, all our guests. And, and again, I'll, I'll stay in order and I'll go with you, Tracy. I'd love to know, Tracy, what, what makes you happy? Okay, so I, I guess there's a number of things. I'm quite a happy person. I'd like to think generally. Um, but for me, as you said, family is one of the major things that makes me happy. Um, the sunshine makes me incredibly happy, just walking outside on a lovely sunny day. Um, it's nothing better than that, waking up with the sun. Um, and also having animals around me. We, we've got cats at home and they, yeah, you, you come home after a hard day in work 
and the cats don't expect anything from you, but they just want a little cuddle and they just want to kind of show you their tail and, and show show you they're happy to be around. So things like that just make me happy. Um, and just getting the buzz off other people I who I work that. with or who I, who I sort of come in contact with, that just kind of just gives me something a little bit special and kind of puts a smile on my face. I love the animals bit because we we just got um, a, pe a, a, pe a kitten, Tracy, and I was worried about all the admin about the kitten. But I, 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 I it's made my family happier and it's made my life easier. <laughs> I was worried about the admin, but you know, when your family's happy, it's easier for you to be happy, isn't it? That's it. I'm giving that assist to the cat. <laughs> um, thanks, Tracy. Over to you, Alex. What what makes you happy? Um, so again, my family and friends make me happy. Um, my son is a massive part of my life. Um, he's a cheeky chappy and I like that. And that makes me happy that he's got that little bit of an edge. Um, in COVID, I dug up half my garden and I produced a vegetable plot, uh, which wow. I, for the last three years, I've loved every second of it. I go out, I'm like Barbara Good. I talk to my vegetables and do you know what? I love it. After a stressful day at work, it kind of, you know, really grounds me. I'm more in touch with nature now. That makes me really, really happy. So investing in myself um, makes me happy because then other people, I feel, get the best of me. Wow. Um, Alex, we have a previous episode that um, if people want to scroll back to, and the, the title is Can Soil Make You Happy? And yes. I... I I won't try and ruin the um, scientists, the professor's work, but essentially um, there is bacteria in soil that triggers serotonin in your brain in a similar way to Prozac. Um, the scientist is not saying stop taking Prozac if you're taking Prozac, just for any listeners there. But what the scientist is saying, isn't this interesting? Maybe we could, well, maybe this should be looked into more. So I absolutely love, love, love the gardening aspect. And last but not least, um, I've heard I've heard uh, Robert answer this question before, but I know I'm asked it quite a lot, and it changes changes all the time what I say. So I'm intrigued to see what Robert was, um, Robert or Rob. Uh, what do you want to be known today as, Robert? Matt, I, I as you as you well know, I I really don't. You can call me anything. I don't mind. Rob's fine. Okay. Everyone who knows me calls me Rob. So okay. um, Thanks, Rob. I, I, I'm actually going to take some bits from both. Tracy and Alex, the, the sunshine, feeling the sun on my neck, it, it mm. is just, I, 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 it's just one of the simple pleasures in life. I don't think you can beat. I, I really, really don't. And like you, I've, I've recently been on um, holiday with my family, and, and it's just, and my wife saw me just sitting there, just in silence, but with with the sun, on, and I was facing away from the sun, so it would be on my neck, and and she just goes, it's, I know that makes you happy. So it's invest, and as Alex also said about in, investing in yourself, finding the time to do some of the things that you want to do outside of outside of the rest of your life, I, I've found um, it is is really important. Um, and uh, and so yeah th things like that uh, and go going back to matt the conversations that we've had before um uh so uh, a tottenham hotspur team that's winning that that makes me happy uh, <laughs> and and and, and the, 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 uh, alternatively when they're just awful which let's face it for 
a big chunk of the time they they are um it's uh it, it does make me it, it, unhappy however not as not as grumpy as i used to be and that and and you know with the simple things cricket i i, I love cricket and and i'd be i'd watch you know kids play in the park sit on a village green and anything anywhere you know just just yeah simple things flowers I, I, I love looking at um flowers as well those are the things that make me happy robin what you want the little bits you want to delve into i don't want to put words in your mouth but about the development point is is challenge important for you like just want to pick out that point you said around training and development there's something because obviously you've got into a new sector in terms of your career is a challenge important to your happiness or is that something separate to do with ambition or hmm that's a good question to challenge yeah challenge is challenge is important um i've spent the majority of my career working in startups and that in itself is a challenge um so I, and and what i love about that is the fact that potentially you know every day is different you're rolling up your sleeves you're getting stuck in you know that what you do makes a fundamental difference that is very important um to me um uh and, and, and you know i suppose away from away from um away from work i've set myself a, a, a task to do and I'm, I'm i'm trying to uh write something and and it's not so much for i don't care if it's good or if it's bad i what i care about is setting myself that goal that challenge and, and actually finishing it for me it doesn't need to be for anybody else i just want to do it for for me but in a professional perspective um yeah i i i, I enjoy a challenge which is probably why i um that why i found myself working in startups for a lot uh, for the majority vast majority of my career i just i find it interesting i keep meaning to write um how being you referenced tottenham how being a tottenham fan prepared me to work in tech because those years of just failure do do prepare you with, with dealing with that but um, I, the reason I brought it up is yesterday um, I, I saw this job uh, description. I'll read it out to everyone and for our listeners. It says, for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success, Ernest, Ernest Shackleton. And I thought I just found that absolutely fascinating. Um, I don't know what year that would have been from Ernest Shackleton, but obviously the, the the great explorer. And I just found that the reason I brought that up is I've definitely noticed that as a trend amongst guests that challenge the, the importance of change. And we see it in our data that if a job isn't challenging, that people can become un unhappy over time and it, it impacts their performance. But anyway, on to the... Anyone oh, I, I, sorry, Matt, I, I, let me just go back. I, I've heard that Shackleton quote before. I, th I think it's great. But I, but I think... I think I can only well I can only speak for myself but for me I want to keep on growing and I want to keep and, and so it goes back to being challenged and, and trying to learn new things all the time yeah. because once you stop learning and thus you stop growing well, well 
sort of what what is what is there you're just yeah that that's not that's not me yeah that's that's yeah it's so, so important and, and and in terms of growth it's a, a personal question um which again I'll, I'll start with you tracy which is broadly speaking even before the podcast we were trying to work out what how we would label the sector that you're working and we sort of came to the um professional funeral sector i started with bereavement as my guest but that was kind of wrong but you work in a sector that is that, that is very different to many of our listeners. What makes you, um, Tracy, work in, in this sector um, that, that you do? Okay, so I'm relatively new into this industry myself. And I started with the business back in December as a director because I was, I was intrigued by what this sector does. Um, and I wanted, I was just curious to find out more about what happens in the industry because it's something that people don't often talk about um an opportunity then sort of presented itself um around sort of may or june of this year so i i came into the role as, as chief exec and i i sort of toyed long and hard because my my background is accountancy so i've been i've worked with numbers all my life um and this would be something very different to me so i i sort of um, toyed back and forth but what it came down to ultimately for me was that the the sort of giving something back to people, helping people in a time of need, in a time of crisis, and doing the, the one thing you can do for them at the end of their life that could make a difference and make a difference to their families. Um, and I, I sort of spoke to a few of the other directors around the, the team that we have in this particular business. And it just excited me. for There's just some sort of draw, and I can't even explain what it is, but there's a draw in this industry that just it's just quite it, it, it's weird it's a bit perverse but it is an exciting industry to be because no two days are ever the same there are fresh challenges all the time there are new problems to solve um answers to find and that just i guess it comes back to the the previous point about challenge um it's a challenge this industry because it is so different and that excites me and I, I need to be challenged constantly um, to kind of bring the best out of me. So I, th I think that sort of sums it up for me in a, in a bit of a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Tracy, I just want to dig into one of those points um, on the chief exec point. And I, I run a group. It's called CEOs for People Person. I can't even say it myself. It's too long. I need to shorten it. It's called People, Purpose, Planet and Profit. And it's, 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 there's 184 CEOs in it. And it's about... How you run a business but balance all those things and i suppose I'm, I'm i'm leaning on your accountancy background here as well because i i know people with accountancy backgrounds can also get sort of like typecast as like they just care about the money bit you're obviously in the in, in a different role now mm. how are you how do you balance and explain that to people because it, you're also in a very sensitive sector as well so could you just give us a bit of insight on how you on how you would balance that? Yeah, do you know what it is? It, it's difficult because your your sort of accountancy head tells you profit, 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 and um, but the altruistic side of you and the reason that we're here is for the benefit of our clients and their, their families, the bereaved families. So it's it's a it's a complete balance through the whole thing as a business green willows we're we're very unique in that we are here as a commercial entity to make profit but we're a social enterprise that is owned by a charity 
So any money that we make is donated through gift aid up to our charity parent. Um, so we're, we're doing it, I guess, to make money for them, but also doing it in the right way ethically and also looking after our people as we go. So like you said, people, purpose, planet and profit. I think everything that you've said there, it all kind of has to work together in order to get the outcomes that we need. So I think there is a business. We like to think that we're not cutthroat in any way. We, uh, we charge a fair price for a fair, a fair service. We pay a fair um, wage remuneration for, for our staff who do an incredible job for us. I'd love to be able to say, we'll give you, you know, loads and loads more money, but it is all balance and we have to have it coming in to, to give it out. Um, but it's trying not to waste anything as we go either and trying to, you know, use the accountancy side of, of my training to make sure that everything that we use, that we um, spend money on is spent for the right reasons in the right way. And yeah looking at every sort of angle to not waste it. So it's a juggle. Yeah, I always think when, our, when we're at the Happiness Index and the sales team meet and a new customer, um, it's only happened probably two or three times. But if the finance director or head accountant of their company comes to the first meeting, that is basically, a, and I, I reckon, well, in our case, 100% chance of us working with them because it's such a signal that, the, that 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 company see people as an asset and rather than just calling it an asset. Uh, and it, once you know that the, the senior HR person, the senior finance person are talking on the same level, it, um, it it's an incredible moment. It happens rare and I wish it happened more, but um, <laughs> once it does happen, it's, it's a big sign to us. And I suppose that brings us nicely to Alex. I won't ask you how well you get on with the finance team, Alex, but, um, we <laughs> for those that well, obviously this is a podcast alex and tracy are smiling at each other i think that's another podcast for another day getting into that bit but alex i've sort of got a, i've got a double part to the question for you what what brings you to this sector and obviously you were working around the for new employees and recruitment if you could just give us a bit of flavor of what what you think pr pr brings people into the sector so if we could start with you what brought you in and two what you think brings employees in would be really useful Okay, so um, I came into the sector. Um, I wasn't. I was looking for a new opportunity. Um, I had a conversation with Tracy because she was on the board at that time, and Green Willow didn't have a HR representative in the organisation at the time. Um, they were outsourcing with their support that was needed every now and again. So Green Willow um, and our board kind of recognised that they needed kind of a HR. Um, person in place to take the business where that needed to go and and invest in their people um so i was fortunate to um get the role um so when i came into the role it was uh, a bit of a shock uh, because there's so much to learn there's so mm. many aspects to our business um not only I've learned kind of I've tried to learn every aspect so far so um, for me HR and being a head of people is to be seen it's for me to get to know the staff it's for them to get to know me it's for me then to understand what are the business needs what are our staff's needs what do they need how do we get them motivated how do we look after them 
it's a very sensitive um, industry and they put so much um, of themselves into their role. Um, and what I found quite overwhelming within my first six weeks, I did listening groups across the org um, and it was people's reasons for working. It wasn't money. Mm -hmm. uh, it was because they wanted to make a difference to people at a time in their life that they needed a helping hand. And I was quite overwhelmed with that. And that made me recognize that the decision I'd made was absolutely the right one. Because actually, that's why I went into HR, is because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted people to see HR, not walking through and going, ooh, why is HR here today? It's yeah. actually HR are here and head of people are here to support, coach, guide. That's it's so fascinating. And um, Tracy, did you, it, I'm getting into the interview process, but when you guys actually went through the process of starting to work together, did you discuss these types of things about, about how finance works together? And, and was Alex talking about how it's more than, more than just money? Did, did you cover those conversations in, in, in the yeah. interview process, whatever the process was? Yeah, we absolutely did. And I think that it was, um, I spoke to various people independently before I made my decision. And Alex was was a strong influencer in my decision. Um, I, I knew Alex from a previous role and I could see what amazing work she'd done there. And I trusted her judgment on many, many things. And she just sort of encouraged me um, around, Trace, it is very different. It's... Um, it's a lovely, lovely environment to work. It's not something I guess you you ever think of when you're you're in school. I'm going to work in the fuel in industry. It doesn't yeah. even come up on the on the uh, job thing that you you're going through. But it was the fact that she'd worked with these amazing people. Mm -hmm. I could see where Alex was trying to go with her role, which is quite a wide, vast role mm -hmm. action. And Alex has got some other amazing skills. That I knew she could bring into the business around wellness coaching um, and mental health first aid, and and I could just see how that could kind of work with both our staff and our clients, and make the business be very very different in the future. And that that sort of part of it excited me quite a lot. And I thought I kind of wanted to join partly because Alex was here as well, um, and just know more difference we'd be making. So that, it was a it was a massive influence actually. Yes. Yeah, I mean that is that is fascinating, and thank you, thank you for sharing that, um, Rob. And also, just so we're all transparent, Robert, um, Rob is an investor in the Happiness Index, and I just wanted to give a bit of an intro, which is when um, we got all our investors after COVID, and we could actually meet up. A bunch of us met for breakfast, and everyone was doing the "What makes you happy" stuff, and I, and I feel like Tracy and Alex gave us an honest answer. But we definitely had a room of people that hadn't met before, and they weren't as being as honest, and everyone was just being a bit like just saying the generic stuff in front of each other. And and Rob got to his part and started actually talking about the industry and what makes him happy about it. And the whole room just stopped because Rob was so open. And then actually one one other guy, and I'll call him Max's friend of mine, Pete Ballard, actually went, oh, can I change what I said <laughs> <laughs> afterwards? Um, so Rob, I'm really intrigued by, obviously you talked about you've always worked in tech, but now it's a new sector. But But what draws you to this sector? Um, I, I had a life changing moment, thanks to my wife, 
uh, I've had many life-changing moments thanks to my uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to Gail. But um, so my, my background's media. I, I worked for the best part of thirty years in media, and and for a big chunk of that, I I had a ball. It was so much fun. Uh, but it got to the point where I'm now sort of of a certain age, and I was thinking. I need to change. I, I want to do something different, but I did not know what it was. And I probably spent about a decade trying to work out what it was that I actually wanted um, wow. to do with the rest of my life. And, I, and, I, I, and I've been con, uh, consulting and and things were okay. They're ticking over, but they weren't going great. And, and basically... Um, my wife saw saw an ad, uh, which turned out to be for an undertaker's. And his, I've seen this ad. You get out of the house, meet some people, have a chat, and um, and uh, and, uh, and get down there. And it's it's carrying um, it's carrying coffins at funerals. Anyway, it, it was quite a lot more than that. And and I, I have to name check uh, Poppy's funerals in uh, in Tooting, South London, for changing my life. Poppy is just. An amazing woman, and the work that they do there is is fantastic. And I I, I ended up working um, near the whole of the first lockdown, uh, you know, at, at Poppies um, and doing doing everything uh, that that be involved in, uh, you know, with an with an undertaker from um, collecting uh, the people. Uh, wherever they might be, and and you know, getting them ready, uh, working with the families, uh, doing the funerals, and and it, and it, it was fundamental, life changing moment. You know, when when someone says thank you, in that scenario, there is no nonsense. They mean that from the bottom of their heart. There is a there's a truth in that industry and, and and i go back to both what tracy and alex said about the type of people who who go there i think there's so much love in that industry um and, and as you said matt you know my my, my experience in, in tech i ended up you know being in media but but being um in, in digital um from the end of the from the end of the 90s so uh, you know a long period of time so I was thinking, you know, I was thinking, well, is there something that I can do in this industry that relates back to my, you know, if you like, my sort of skill set that I've learned over my career that um, involving involving tech, because as a technophobe, I actually quite enjoy working in in uh, in tech, um, but also creating partnerships and and helping people. Um, and, and that's and that's how I, I stumbled across Life Ledger, and uh, I badgered Tremaine, the founder, until he gave me a job, um, and uh, and here I am here I am today. So my, my you know my job there is is talking to all of the all of the companies that our users want to send notifications to um, across the board from you know banks and utilities, um, TVs and telcos, um, insurance companies. Uh, pension companies, you name it. Um, you know, if you think about it, when most people have up to twenty odd different uh, accounts and policies um, across the board, really, um, that's, that's a lot of a lot of phone calls to make or a lot of forms to fill in. So, if, if we can do the heavy lifting 
uh, for people, then then that is that's helping people when they really need some help. Thanks, Robert. And uh, Robert, a personal question, right? I found it fascinating. You said you were unsure for ten years. Yeah, I reckon there's a lot of people in that situation. Um, maybe this is a follow-up blog post, but if someone's listening right and they're and they're in the middle of that, maybe a year, two years in. What advice have you got for someone to speed that up? Because maybe you do need to go through the 10 years, but it, 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 can that process be speeded up for others? I don't know is the honest answer, because if I did know, it wouldn't have taken me 10 years. Um, I, I think, you, do you know what? You, you, I think, oh, I, I, I can't speak for everyone. I can only speak for myself. I stumbled into media. You know, I got my first job in media when I, I was in a nightclub one night and someone said to me, <laughs> phone up this person for an interview tomorrow. Seriously, that's how, that's how I fell into media. And and, and I, I, I fell into, um, into uh, well, f first the funeral industry and, and, and then sort of beyond um, that again by, by my Wife seeing seeing uh, seeing an ad on a social media site and and saying wow. this actually sort of, what look you've got a bit of time on your hands whilst your media isn't taking up all of your time instead of sitting at home looking at the four walls why don't you get out and talk to people I, I think actually that's what that's a big factor is talking talking being human you know there again there is so much humanity. Uh, in this sector so much love so much care um i i i found that i have empathy i never knew that i never knew that i i'm in my 50s i never knew i had it i found it you know you found you find out a lot more about yourself um when, when you're dealing um when you are dealing with death uh and, and and you know and and some of that can be good and some of that can be bad uh, but i think it probably makes i don't know Again, it, I can only speak for myself. It makes me a better person. I just want to pick, bring Tracy and Alex on a in on a point there, actually, Rob. But I found really fascinating what you said, um, because I just analysed all our data. and I was really lucky to to get asked to do a TED talk, and it was about a concept about getting rid of your super happiness suit of inbuilt emotional deflective field. I know it sounds like a, a complete mouthful, but it's about how everyone pretends to be someone else at work perhaps if we just shared our real emotions and um, then things might be a bit better um, check it out if, if you haven't listened to it it's on YouTube but what that connected up with me when you were talking Rob was about this truth because anyone who's ever been to a funeral there's no masking your emotions at a funeral is that you can't it's the one place where you are truly yourself because no matter what no matter who you are um, you can't and I just thought, Tracy and Alex, do you have any thoughts on that, on, on the truth um, point that Rob made? Um, is, is there anything that we can take out of that? I think that in this sector, because, like you said, that we are at our most vulnerable at that time in our lives when we're dealing with a loss of a family member. And our staff um, allow themselves to be vulnerable as well because they are open to supporting our families um, at any given opportunity. So their honesty is a massive kind of skill that's within them. 
Um, so it's very natural, it's not put on. Um, and then what we do to try and kind of um, capitalize on that is that that's how our approach is with our people aspect of our business. So what I do and what we do in conjunction with Tracy is that our approach to Green Willow is to be honest. It is to be upfront with what we've got. It is to ask people for their buy-in. What is it that we need to do? What's your thoughts on that? Because they're on the ground. They're there every day supporting our families. So we are now opening up a massive kind of communication pathway to help us to understand what that means, not only for our business, but our employee engagement, but then also our customer kind of satisfaction and identifying, are we missing something? That's so nice. it is very truthful organization there's not many places um to hide at all and you get raw emotion i think I, what the thing i find fascinating from that is almost the contagious element of it the fact that the people that you're working with are sharing their emotions and that actually is filtering through to the employees um yeah i've had a couple of circumstances where the funeral directors have explained to me um certain arrangements that they're doing and I've sort of welled up with them just sort of talking about it because you, that emotion just touches you somehow through what they're telling you. And yeah. it's hard not to. It really is. But it's, um, it's special what we do. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it is. I was going to say, and ha having, having worked on a number of funerals, uh, uh, the amount of them where, uh, and, and some of the people I was working with, there's, there tends to be quite a few uh, firemen in the funeral uh, service, uh, in the funeral sector as well, because of the nature of their uh, shift work. And, and I've worked with some very hard bitten firemen who've worked through a, a lot of major tragedies. And, and you know, uh, there's been a few of us coming out of funerals crying, <laughs> you know, having worked on particular ones where you hear the stories and, and, and what people are saying. And, and you know, it just it just touches you. You can't you, you can't help it. Rob, I, um, thanks everyone. Um, Rob, technical question: What is Def Tech? You're the first person who told me about Def Tech. I'm in the tech myself with the Happiness Index. Um, what is Def Tech? Well, I I suppose good good question. I don't know if there is a definition of such, but I think it, it can relate to. Um, it can relate to different things. I think that within the funeral, um, within the funeral sector itself, that there are technology platforms uh, or uh, um, uh, software providers that help provide services to um, to funeral companies that uh, allow them to, um, uh, you know, uh, to, to to talk to their clients and to and um, to tie up the the services that they offer. I, I know from a life ledger perspective, we're um, we're integrated with a with a number of those. Um, I, I suppose if you look at Life Ledger as a as a platform, there's we've based ourselves on the government's Tell Us Once platform. I don't if, if I don't know if you've ever had to go through this process yourself, but when you register a death, um, the uh, the the registrar will tell you about Tell Us Once, and you input the uh, the person who's died. Um, details it automatically um, tells every part of local and central government that that person has died. Um, so everything from your uh, any benefits, um, pension, 
driving license, you name it, all of those parts of um, of local and central government. But there's nothing really for the for the private sector. So that's why that's why we built um, Life Ledger to enable people to to contact all of those companies. So I, I suppose as a general umbrella, it, it's in uh, it's it's technology that it enables those dealing with death and and that's across i suppose various different sectors to um to uh, it, it's it's like all technologies is to be used as an enabler as much as anything yeah. no thanks robin um alex i'm just going to go to you first on this question because it's very specific to your role but the employee experience, employee happiness, employee engagement, they're, they're difficult at the best of times um, for companies. But how do you look after employees when their work involves death? Like, is, is that more challenging? Is it uh, any insight you have for us on that? Yeah, I think, you know, we treat every situation on its own merit. And I think that's important as well. So we haven't got a one size fits all because um, everybody kind of reacts you know very very differently but it is about knowing your people um you know we have wellness programs in place now that we've introduced this year that have gone down extremely extremely well um i'm a, um, a well-being life coach as well so i'm available kind of on the spot for any kind of coaching needs that our employees need if they've gone through a difficult experience or something has kind of resonated with them maybe personally um, we we have myself in place to be able to do that and we have seen an increase in people coming to talk to me which is fantastic because ultimately that's why I'm here is not only to kind of safeguard the business and to support Tracy to take the business where it needs to go but it's about looking after our employees because they do generally come to work um, happy they want to do a good job they want to do the best they can to support our families yeah. and make a difference at that moment in somebody's life so ultimately for me my role is to make a difference in our employees life yeah. whilst they're in work and outside of work as well so by introducing wellness incentives that we do um you know supporting their general wellness which is you know encouraging them with their hydration it is doing a wellness week where we talk about what foods to eat at certain times of the day our staff are on call as well so you know fatigue kicks in as well so you know we're encouraging them and kind of um upskilling them with kind of foods that they can eat as well so we're looking at the overall wellness of our employees but we do touch on it as an individual basis as well and i think we do not many people, we don't know many funeral directors that has a head of people and culture. And I think what we've definitely seen is we've gone through such a transition of change over the last six months in the organization, but actually our employee engagement is the highest it's ever been. Mm. No, that's fascinating. I always encourage people when they go for interview, you know, the bit where people can never remember what questions to ask themselves when they say, have you got any questions? I always say to ask, I always ask, same ask two questions like how happy are you back to the person that's interviewing you and how happy is the team because i always think if they're not prepared to if they if they're not prepared to answer that or they're offended by that it's probably not the best place to go and work no i mean i come to work every day and i can't wait to get to work it's yes it's going to be challenging yes there's going to be you know many many obstacles in my way um or barriers and challenges but i love that and i i am um, i love coming to work every single day 
And when I go out and I visit our sites and I talk to our um, employees, um, I'm there with a smiling face every single day. And I'm aware of my body language, the tone and pitch of my voice, so that I am engaging and that if somebody has something that they need to talk to me about, then they know that they can do that. And I think that approach and that culture is absolutely essential. Yeah. And thank you, thank you, Alex. And we're just going to um, get Tracy. I'm going to go to you for the last question because we're out of time. I can't believe it's gone so quick. Um, I had a real first world problem on my holiday over summer, which is when we got to the hotel. Um, but you could tell basically the, the staff there were unhappy. And I got chatting to a few, and long story short, that they had half the staff they had for the same amount of customers as last year. And actually, on our last day of holiday, they went on strike. And um, it's a real first world problem because although as someone, um, I mean, shocking, I had to make my own coffee. I mean, I mean, crazy. It was absolutely fine. The world didn't end. Things continued. But I did have empathy, um, absolute empathy for the staff there. But obviously, employee happiness was leading, was impacting customer happiness across. I mean, some of the customers there, you'd think the world was going to end because they had to make their own coffee. There was literally no empathy for any of the staff. But that's a story for another day um but in your sector right i this is totally different it's way more serious than that isn't it like if employees are unhappy and that you you're only burying one person once um any thoughts on um any thoughts on how employee happiness impacts customer happiness um tracy Oh, one hundred percent. You're right. It's not like a family can arrange their own funeral. To be honest, is it? If if there was a mass walkout, um, yeah, I think that um, our staff, and I know this is general across the funeral industry. I think everybody has such a passion to deliver, no matter what they're feeling, um, whether they're having a bad day, um, something may just happened in their own life. They turn up for work and they act so professionally. And you see this not just in our business, but definitely across South Wales as we've been to other funerals and we've seen those. People put, people kind of leave their, their troubles at the front door of the business um, and they just put their game face on when they turn up and they know they are needed, depended on, and they will do everything it takes um, to not let the customer down. So ironically i was on call this weekend I, I just wanted to go out on call with our team to sort of experience yeah. what they have to go through and see it for myself so i can hopefully mm. affect a change in a positive way where i can but seeing what our team had to deal with our, our the two people i went out with they're in the most difficult of situations but they don't let any emotion show any negative emotion any oh you know i've got the the stretches that sort are of dug into my into my stomach or you know this is this one is really heavy or wherever ever they just get on with it um and they are so professional and they are really to be commended i think anybody that works in this industry i take my hat off to them because they yeah. they are outstanding in what they do yeah. I never they nobody here i don't think would ever let us down no. they are brilliant i think i'm gonna trace that's such good insight and i just i want to just recap that point for all ceos chief executives everywhere how important it is to get out there and actually be there with your team on the front line but Alex I do want to just bring you in I know I said it was the last question but we know at the happiness index that there's a there's a if people are putting that face on all the time they're going to need some respite behind the scenes someone to talk about you mentioned how you've got that well-being coaching piece yeah. so they're out there 
they're doing their best for these customers have you got any advice on how then you help people behind the scenes because there's there's going to be some kind of load behind that putting that face on is there any advice you've got to support employees that are working high stress front front line so, yeah, so, yeah so my advice would be from a, as an employer is that you need to have somebody in your business first that is um able to have those conversations with your staff so they need to be trained if possible maybe have a mental health first aid background i've got that as well um and you've got to go out and earn that trust before mm. somebody will come and speak to you um so i went out and i met all of our staff i've been to all of our sites and i go out all the time um that's based on people kind of learning and understanding and respecting me in my role and learning actually that the trust is there. Um, and then it is about a bit of an education piece. It's introducing wellness incentives into your business, not just as a one-off, but consistently. It's about where you can talk about behaviors. What have you learned today? If you had that again, what would you do differently? So it is about coaching our staff. It is about kind of encouraging them to talk openly and freely. And when they do talk to you, thank them. Thank yeah. you for telling me that today. Thank you for trusting me with that today. And be honest when you talk that. And I think the big, one biggest advice I can say as an employer is people are not looking for you to tell them what to do. They're just looking for a listening ear. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need to do is just provide a safe space that is non-judgmental, that they can come and offload and you're actively listening to them. Your eyes are there to meet them when they look at you and yeah. that you take care and attention with them. And then the other big thing is you check in. A couple of days later, you pick up that call or you go out on a site and you say, how are you doing? Yeah. How's things from the other day? Why do you do that? Because you mean it. Yeah. And again, that builds trust, it builds loyalty, and it builds a culture where people want to come to work. But if there's something that isn't quite sitting right with me, or I'm not happy about that, I know that I've got somebody that I can go and speak to. Well, I don't think we should say anything more. That is perfect. Uh, Alex, you've absolutely nailed the finish there. I think we know how the happiness index. <laughs> it's two of the top four drivers of, of happiness are feelings of acknowledgement and psychological safety. And if, if we had to put a cloud map up of what you just said, I'm sure those two would be front and centre. Um, Tracy, Alex, Rob, you've all been amazing. Thank you for just being so honest and talking about your businesses. I, I would work for all of you. Um, it's a tes testament to, to, to what you shared today. So on behalf of myself and our listeners, I just want to say thank you um, for sharing and all your insight. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, Alex and Tracy. Thank you. Nice to meet thank you. you.